Good morning. I hope you're all excited to worship this morning. Today I'll be reading Psalms 100, 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. He, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithful, faithfulness continues through all of generations. On Zion's glorious summit stood a new so Here all who suffered so. Oh. 
this morning. Thank you for being here. I know it's tough times for everyone, but with our Father, we have a lot of hope. And I would like to pray and have y'all with me in prayer. So if you would, please open your hearts and bow with me at this time. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for another day of life. We all have so much to be thankful for. We have our faith, our families, your love, and your son, Jesus Christ. As we all go through tough and trying times, we ask that you be our guide and lead us to become stronger people by living by your word. Father, please calm our fears and anxieties about this coronavirus. May we remember that you are in control. I ask that you protect all the doctors, nurses, assistants, technicians, first responders, firefighters, policemen, our military, our scientists, all that are putting their lives on the front line to help and save those people that are infected with this disease. Father, let's also remember those that are out there doing their daily jobs that help each one of us, those that get us food, and the necessary supplies that we need just to live. Father, be with all the families that have suffered in these past months from loss of life, 
from illness, from losing material possessions. May this prayer lift these that are suffering at this time. Heavenly Father, there are many that need your prayers. I ask you to continue to heal and watch over the following as thy will be done. Father, I want to lift these names to you and that you touch each one. Please be with Francis Burns, Jane Davis, Kevin Davis, Denise Ellis, Richard Ellis, Brian Jasso, Jackie LaBarbera, Gwendolyn Lampley, Nancy Leeton, the May family, Gordon Mayfield, Kay McClellan, Gordon McDaniel, Catherine McKay, Maud Parks, Sandra Pearson, Earl and Joan Priest, Pat Reeves, Lita Robinson, Ashley Smettle, Robert Thurman, Wilson and Barbara Vaden, Craig Wales, Dan and Susan Wilson, Diana Wood. Father, we have shut-ins that need our prayers and need your healing as well. Please be with these people. Francis Binkley, Jack Hensley, Diana Holt, Fran House, Gwendolyn Lampley, Mary Margaret Marley, Audie Pewitt, Earl and Joan Priest, Pat Reeves, Beverly Speak, Christine Slaughter, and Josephine Wright. Father, also touch those that we may have missed that are in need of our prayers. Father, I ask you to be with each person with Heritage Church of Christ. May the Holy Spirit live in each heart. May we comfort each other's needs and the needs of our community. Please bless us this day. Be with each of us and may your message touch each one of us. Please forgive us of our sins. I ask through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let us continue with our worship. Today I'll be reading Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And their leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. All things are ready. Come to the feast. Come for the table now is spread. Ye
similar to community, which is what we are. We are a family, a community. And I love that we can boast in the fact that during this very odd and isolated time that we're going through, uh, we still have that. We still have family and community through Jesus Christ. And God has allowed us this technology to enjoy this time uh, that we're sharing together, specifically right now during the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26 says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup, in the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's been said many times by many people over the last several weeks uh, that we are living in very uncertain times. Uh, and this is very true, but not because of this global pandemic that has come and cut us all off guard. Ecclesiastes 1.9 actually says, History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. 
While we don't know exactly when this pandemic will end, times are no more uncertain now than any other time in all of history. Having said that, we are truly facing a challenging time as we are forced to isolate ourselves, something the human soul was, was never meant to do. We weren't meant to be isolated. We were meant to be in community, enjoying the company of each other. So as Christians, the question is asked, what do we do? We can't physically come together as we're accustomed to doing every week. What do we do to give us that encouragement of togetherness, of unity that we are used to doing? It's actually as simple as something that we already do every week. It's what we call the Lord's Supper. As we're taking the bread and the juice, we are all taking in Christ and his body, his blood, his sacrifice, his love with our brothers and sisters, not just from Heritage, not just from Middle Tennessee, but from all over the world. What an encouragement, what a blessing to be able to say that. So this morning, we are all together, not physically, but in Christ, which I say is far better. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your your sacrifice. Uh, We thank you for your love that you created us and that you sent your son to die on the cross so that you could be with us. We thank you that during these strange times that we're living in, things, uh, going through things that we're not accustomed to, uh, not getting to uh, shake hands and hug one another, um, we can take comfort in the fact that you are with us and, and because of you, because of your son and your great love and sacrifice, Uh, we can be joined together um, by his body broken on the cross for our sins. Uh, We we pray that you help us to not take this for granted today or any day, uh, but that you help us remember every day that we, uh, we are joined by you and a whole body of believers spread out all across the world um, as we walk this life together with you. We love you, God. We thank you for your son and his sacrifice. We pray these things in his name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name.
Good morning. Thank you for joining us in our worship service today online. We look forward to seeing you face to face sometime soon. More than likely, we will still not be shaking hands or hugging, but we are going to be getting closer, Lord willing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. Today's lesson is called Rebuilding Together because in this country, in this community, in this state, in every country around the globe, we're going to have to rebuild a lot of things that we've lost. The last 40 days have been a time of great loss to many people. Right now, we are just praying to God that he will send a miracle in our lives and that he will change things that we have lost. I don't own a business here in Franklin, but if I did, I would be thinking about rebuilding my business. And it's going to be different. Things are going to change quite a bit. Nehemiah was a new guy in the city of Jerusalem. We're going to find out about him. The Old Testament book of Nehemiah is about how Nehemiah conducted himself as a leader for the job that he had been given to do. Let me just give you a short review of the book of Nehemiah. The kingdom of Judah had become disobedient to God. They had started worshiping idols. God sent the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to come and capture the people of Judah in three deportations from Jerusalem all the way to Babylon. Babylon is the site of modern-day Iraq. But then for the next 70 years, the people of Judah were in captivity. And then eventually, King Cyrus of Persia overtook Babylon, and he gave all the Jewish people permission to go back home, go back and rebuild their lives, go back and rebuild their temple, rebuild their homes, and rebuild everything that they had lost. Fast forward about 100 years in the time of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, still in Persia. But this is 100 years later, and Nehemiah is very sad. We're going to find out why in just a few moments. The people of Judah were being invaded constantly because the walls of the city of Jerusalem had been torn down. Luke Sparks has our reading from God's Word. Luke is going to be reading from Nehemiah chapter 2. Please follow along in your own Bibles. Good morning. I am Luke Sparks, and the reading of today's message is from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, why are you requesting? So I, so I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, this, to the city of my father's graves that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send you when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, If it, if it pleases the king, let letters be given, to, given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah, and a, later, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forests, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the, the fortress temple, 
and for the wall of the city, and for the house I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of God was upon me. You know, there was so much rubbish in the city of Jerusalem, so much debris, rubble, that Nehemiah, as he rode in with his animal, he could not ride into the town. In fact, the Bible says that there was so much garbage, that so much rubble everywhere, that it was dangerous there in the city of Jerusalem. Folks, I want you to think about the future of our civilization, of our country. If we're not careful, we're going to lose a great deal of being civilized, and we will forget what that's like. And even in our families, we can already see families that have divided, split, split up. What can put families back together? Not just cities, not just economies, as, as important as that is. What about your own family? And then, of course, the church. This time of being apart has been difficult for many of us as Christians. We feel like that the only friend that we have is our computer. We only see Christians, just pictures of them far away, or we hear news about them as we read on Heritage Highlights. And so how can we rebuild the church? Rebuild together is the answer. The Bible tells us that God has, the God of heaven, has a job for you and me. It has something to do with putting our lives back together. Just as the walls of the city of Jerusalem had, were lying in ruin, so the people of Judah, their lives had fallen apart as well. In Nehemiah 2 and verse 12, Nehemiah says, Then I arose in the night, and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. Did you hear what Nehemiah said just a moment ago? He had a mandate from the God of heaven to go and to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. Also, he had a mandate from King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah was a man that knew how to get alone with God and to lay his case out before God and God's giving him the plan for saving the people of Jerusalem. And also he did the same thing. He, the Bible says he fasted, he prayed, and one more thing, he wept. Folks, in order for Steve Blackman to weep, you have to get down very deep inside of me. And so it was for Nehemiah. He actually wept before King Artaxerxes. In the reading just a few moments ago, the king knew that there was something wrong. He said, what is wrong with you? And I just wonder how many of us are sort of wandering aimlessly through life, like a ship without a compass, like a ship without a rudder, like a ship without a sail. You know, it's really tempting for us to just put it in neutral and let all the all of the viruses and all the problems and all the wars of life just to push us all around. It's pretty tempting to join that society of people that do nothing and just let the world do whatever it wants to do. And that's fine with us. Folks, too many people draw a breath and then they go and they draw their paycheck and that's their life right there. They get up in the morning, they have a cup of coffee, they look at the latest viral video online. They go to work. They come home tired and beat. They eat dinner. They watch TV and they watch their favorite shows. And then they go to bed and it starts all over the next day. That's their life. 
That's all they do. They don't have a goal. You and I need a goal in life. Nehemiah said, God had laid something on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul said something very similar in Philippians 3. He said, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal, toward the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, do you have a goal in life? Is it from God? Is it a goal that God has inspired for you? Has God laid something on your heart? That's what Nehemiah said. He said, I had it laid on my mind. You know, Henry Ford, who was a mastermind of organization and cooperation, you know what he said? Listen to what he said. He said, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Thinking together is unity. And working together is success. Are you a success in the groups of fellowship that you have? Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Thinking together is unity. Working together. Are we working together? That's the success. That's good information for us to have as we look forward to what is going to change as we rebuild our community. In Revelation, pardon me, in Romans 14 and verse 7, Paul writes, none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. Folks, if anyone is hurt, if anyone passes away, you and I have lost someone that's so important. We need to remember how important our lives are, how important our businesses are, how important the Lord's church is. You remember that Nehemiah got permission from King Artaxerxes to go on that trip. That's what Luke read just a few moments ago. But secondly, he got the king's protection. He had men assigned to him from the king that would protect him. And then thirdly, he had the king's rich provisions. Folks, I want you to think for just a moment. The king of kings, Jesus, has not only given us permission, he has commanded that we go and make disciples of all nations. And secondly, he has promised his protection. You remember what he said right at the end of Matthew chapter 28, and I am with you always. That's Jesus saying, I'm going to be there to protect you. And then finally, he gave us provisions, the same provision that King Artaxerxes gave Nehemiah. So Jesus gives to you and me. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will just be given to you. We have provision from God. I'd like to stop for just a moment and go to the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles, look there in chapter 3 and verse 7. I want you to notice verses 7 and 8. Something very important in these two verses. It's the story of the church at Philadelphia. Now, I want you to not think of the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. This is the small town in Asia Minor, and this was a town that had just a few members of the church. It was a very small church, but Jesus makes a great promise to this church. In chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus speaking here says to this church at Philadelphia, he says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, 
the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one can shut, who shuts and no one opens. I love that verse. Jesus is the keeper of the keys. Folks, we need to see that whenever heaven opens a door, all the angels and all the demons of hell cannot shut that door if Jesus opens a door for us. Folks, in your personal life, in your family, in your business, in the Lord's church where you worship, you and I have an open door to us. I want you to notice that this is a door that when it's open, no one can shut. No one can shut that door. And here's why. The church of Philadelphia is given this open door. And the reason is, he goes on in verse 8. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. No one's able to shut. I know that you have but a little power. And yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Did you hear those three things? Here's a church that believes in, the, in God's word, the Bible. And then secondly, here is a church, not only do they, do they know the word of God, they keep the word of God. But one more thing, they have not denied the name of Jesus Christ. They were dedicated to the son of God. That's who Jesus is. Nehemiah, even in the Old Testament, he felt the good hand of God on him. Folks, you will see God entering in your life. If you know his word, if you obey his word, and you don't deny his son, you're gonna get the information that you need. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, Nehemiah had foes. He had enemies, there are three of them. Tobiah, Sanballat, and one more called an Arab, his name was Geser. They spread false accusations against Nehemiah. Now, you would think that after God says, here's the plan, I'm gonna open a door for you, you would feel like, hey, I'm not gonna have any problems at all. Just the opposite. Anytime God opens the door, Satan is gonna to try to shut that door. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse nine, listen to this word, this word from the Apostle Paul. He said, a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Folks, whenever God opens the door for you and me, we're gonna be able to do that job, but we will have opposition. Just because you have an open door doesn't mean there are not gonna be adversaries. Don't think it's going to be easy. It's not gonna be a piece of cake. See, there are demons that are inspired to fight against the will of God. In Romans 8, 31, listen. If God is for us, who can be against us? You and I know that every time that God does something good, Satan wants to do just the opposite. In 1 John 4 and verse 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Nehemiah had a function in this life. His, his job was to be a leader. And folks, we need leaders in the Lord's church today. We need leaders in business godly men, godly women. And we need leaders in families. We need leaders in the body of Christ. I want you to notice three things very quickly, three sub points really. I want you to notice that there is a pattern throughout the Bible, it just goes on and on, 
of rebuilding together. There's always a building plan going on in the Bible. Always there is a rebuilding that has to take place. The temple was destroyed three different times that we know of. The Romans destroyed it, and then they came back 50 years later and destroyed the land on which the temple used to stand. In other words, the Roman government, they tried to overcome God's plan. It didn't work. But I want you to notice the pattern. Here's the pattern. Every person in the Bible finds a place that they fit in, something that they can do individually. They didn't just go off and say, I'm going to do something. No, God had a plan for them. What's God's plan for your life? What has God laid on your heart that you can do? And folks, remember, nobody can do all the jobs. It's just not possible. No one can do every one of them. And then secondly, look at the people. People, each person would needed to concentrate on his or her own responsibility. You read the Bible and people were constantly working together, each individual doing his or her job. So we need a pattern, we need people. And finally, we need a place to do that work. The place where these people worked here in the book of Nehemiah began in their own homes. They started building up their own houses and building the wall that was adjacent to their house. Right next to your house are individuals that they're working on their house, they're working on their part of the wall. Go over there and help them. You finish your job. Go over there and help your neighbor on this side or your neighbor on the other side. Maybe there's somebody that needs encouragement or maybe there's been illness. You can go and help those individuals. It's called building together. Folks, we have an opportunity to change people's lives. I heard the story of that just about broke my heart. Back in 1915, Leon Trotsky, one of the leaders in the Russian Bolshevik Revolution was visiting Chicago, Illinois. He was trying to get ideas for greatness. Someone said, you know, you ought to go down to this church down here. They're having a, a Sunday school class and you need to go to that class. They have a wonderful teacher. He said, well, I'm looking for great ideas. I'm looking for great speakers. I, I'll go. And he went. The Sunday school teacher that day didn't feel like getting up to go, so he didn't go to a Sunday school class. Leon Trotsky came, and no Bible class was taught. There was no co-teacher that took over for him. Two years later, in 1917, the leader of the Bolshevik Revolution was Leon Trotsky. Think for just a moment, had that Sunday school teacher made arrangements for someone to teach his class someone to teach God's word, Leon Trotsky could possibly have, instead of being the head of the Bolshevik revolution, he could have been an individual that was leading the body of Christ, similar to the apostle Paul. It said that there were two boys in Dallas, Texas, two teenage boys that were troublemakers, juvenile delinquents, had been in trouble with the law on the right, on the left their entire life. Both of them had their own Sunday school teachers assigned to them. These classes were for bad boys. And so these two boys were, each went to a Sunday school class. And one boy, his Sunday school teacher took a real interest in him. 
sent him a note every week, went and visited him, visited his family, did nice things for him, really made an, an effect. It really had an impact on that young man's life after all of his years of being in trouble. And he grew up to become an elder in the Lord's church, a very dependable man, all because of a Sunday school teacher. The other boy, the other boy's Sunday school teacher was a man that had his feelings hurt very easily. And he said, if that boy doesn't want to come to my class, I don't want him in class. I'll never call him. I'll never see him. I won't send him anything. And that boy grew up to assassinate the 35th president of these United States, Dallas, Texas. Those boys' lives were influenced, one for good and one for evil. You know, as I'm thinking about this lesson, that we build together, that we depend on each other, that we build up the wall, I want you to imagine that the building blocks those building blocks that were used to build up the wall, to build up people's homes. I'm beginning to think in my life that I have been a stumbling block. And then in one way, I have been a stepping stone for others. In fact, I've just about decided that I am all the time either one or the other. I'm a stumbling block or I am a stepping stone. It seems like those two are mutually exclusive in my life. I'm either one or the other. I'm either tearing down someone or I'm building somebody up. That's right, if I'm not helping, then I'm hindering. If I'm not hurting, then I'm harming. Those words either or come to mind. I'm either really helping the kingdom of God or I am really helping the kingdom of hell. Jesus confirms this in Matthew 12 and verse 30. He said, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Folks, you and I are building up the kingdom of God. In Vacation Bible School, we used to sing the song, we're building up the temple, we're building up the temple, we're building up the temple of the Lord. Oh, brother, won't you help us? Oh, sister, won't you help us? We're building up the temple of the Lord. You and I are the temple. Down the street, there's a sign on one of the churches that says, the people are the church. Folks, we are building our lives, our families' lives together. We're building our businesses and all of our business associates based on this same set of principles. And then we're also building up the church of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being a part of this Bible study and this lesson. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Jesus, name above
thank you for that lesson and thank you for joining us today if you would please bow with me as we go to the lord in prayer dear lord we thank you for this day we thank you for allowing us to come and worship you uh, please lord bless each soul that is represented on this uh, network please be with the sick the shut-in be with all health and caregivers dear lord at this time as we go through the pandemic uh, shield all of our people that are in harm's way dear lord please bless those that have contracted the deadly disease be with those that are recovering but more especially lord comfort those that have been a casualty especially to their family uh, help to calm us take the fear from us and know that the, your loving hand is always around us shield us and protect us till we meet again for this we all ask in christ's name amen